a playlist original. Hello and welcome back to the Breakfast Food Club. I'm Emily and this week I'm joined by author Abigail Mann to discuss her three books, The Lonely Fajita, The Sister Surprise and The Wedding Crasher which is out in 2022. Abigail gives us an insight into her new book as well as of course her most important read. Spoiler, it is a classic. Abigail's actually the second guest this season who's made me want to read a classic. Um, So I won't tell you which one it is, I don't want to give the game away in the intro, but I hope you enjoyed this episode. Abigail is hilarious. If you've read any of her books, you will already know that. So I'll leave it there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, don't forget to leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. It really helps new listeners find the podcast. Hi Abigail, how are you? Hi, uh, yes, I'm wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. Good, I'm so glad. Thank you so much for being a guest. Thanks for having me on. It's so nice to be able to talk about books for a while. I've been, all I've been doing in the past few weeks is uh, sanding and painting, uh, trying to get my new flat ready to live in. Uh, so this is a real treat. <laughs> I feel your pain. Like We moved in in September. And so far we've managed to do two rooms and I wanted to do the living room before Christmas so we put the tree up and it's all nice and we were just like, no. Like, we didn't really do too much of the painting anyway. James's dad done most of it, but we were just like, no, it's too much. Especially now with the late, like, the dark nights. You can, like, because we both work Monday to Friday, it's like by the time you finish work, it's pitch black. Like, you'd paint it on and then in the morning you'd look at it and be like, oh, start again (laughs) yeah yes we had a similar incident with um trying to paint the bathroom but the electric went and so we had no lights and we were trying to paint via iphone torches and we just was like what are we doing yeah (laughs) is this the time when we ask a professional in yeah (laughs) so what are you um currently reading um current read I'm about 20% and I feel like whenever a reader says like 20% you know they're reading on a kindle (laughs) um so I'm about 20% of the way into Miss Benson's Beetle um and I've been wanting to read it for ages and I've had it on my kindle for a while um and I've I've got a break where I don't really have many proofs to read at the moment. Um, so now I'm reading things that I've had on the list for a while and I'm really enjoying it. And I think the reason I picked it up is because someone told me it was really funny. Um, and obviously I I always lean towards hum- humour in books and it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's historical, it's, it's historical in the way that Agatha Christie is historical, you know, Um and it's 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 really good, and it's one of those stories that's got a really clear like um, plot to it. You know that from the opening that this um, teacher, and I always love stories that have like a jaded teacher as the protagonist because I'm like, <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's got this desire to go and find this um, very very rare and uncategorized beetle, and um, and sets out to do that. So. You know, you know where you are with the story and it's really comforting. Uh, I've just finished a couple of really heavy books like Sorrow and Bliss. And so this is a bit of a palate cleanser that I'm really enjoying. I love the sounds of that. I like funny books as well, but I don't tend to... I don't tend to read many. 
I think it's... It's hard to know, though. Yeah. Whether it's going to be from looking at it. So many books are like, yeah, this is funny. And then you read it and you're like, I'm not laughing. Like, it's humorous, but I'm not laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the sense of humor thing is like, is so, is so particular. Like, I... There are some books that, yeah, similarly I'm, I read and it's meant to be funny and either it's just gone over my head or it's just not, it's more of an American humour and I'm, I like kind of quite dry, sarcastic British humour. So, I mean, it's horses for courses, isn't it? Yeah, it's definitely, it's hard to go humour across in writing anyway, but to have everybody find it funny is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I have actually just finished a book this morning. I was reading The No-Show by Beth O'Leary. Oh, how are you finding that? I absolutely loved it. Like, I'm a massive fan anyway. Um, So when the proof turned up, I was like, this is amazing. Like, <laughs> And yeah, it lives up to all the Beth O'Leary hype. I, I don't know how much... Um, like allowed to say about it but it's essentially about three women on valentine's day yeah um three women on valentine's day and they're all waiting for a man who doesn't show up and it's the same man okay so then it sort of shows how great premise yeah and it's like i think it follows them over like a year maybe even more than a year but as the relationship with that man like works and ebbs and flows and it's really interesting especially to see how she weaves everyone together there's a lot of characters that's a whenever i hear books like books like that i'm in my head i'm like how would you figure that out plot wise that sounds like such such a puzzle to to weave everyone in and going going back and 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 finding little bits of information to thread between everyone and I mean, it sounds really challenging from a writing perspective, but it sounds like it's paid off. I loved her. I loved her. Um, um, I loved the flat share. I hadn't hadn't read the switch, but the really reason is because it came out when I was writing about an older protagonist, and I was just like, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. It's going to meld into my own head in my own story too much. Um, but yeah, she's a powerhouse, isn't she? Wow. Yeah, just incredible. Um. So the general hook of the podcast is your most important read. What have you chosen? I had a really good think about this and I tried to pick something that, um, what do people say? It's like, it's a seminal book for me. Um, that One sort of like hooked me on to, I suppose, thinking about literature and stories in a more formal sense, but also just fed into this obsession that's not quite died for Victorian literature um so I chose Wuthering Heights um part of me did want to choose something that was like a quite obscure but uh, <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, there's a reason these books are as, as sort of notorious as they are um and I think I think it's because it's just I read it when I was 17 and essentially it just it reminds me of like really good YA book because it's like two young people who have this sort of obsessive of not even I wouldn't even call it love it's like an obsessive interest and sort of um with each other's lives and never letting them move outside the parameters of their own circles and it's just dark and the landscape and I've gone up to Haworth a couple of times um to 
uh, the village where the Brontes uh, lived and wrote. And it's it's just so atmospheric and captivating and the graveyard in front of their house and everything about it, I think, has just set me on a course, I, I think, to one, like, go and study literature. But then to think about stories more generally and how I just don't think I similarly obsessively <laughs> I couldn't quite let them let them go when I finished studying them formally um I just knew I needed it to be in my life in the sort of writing and reading and it, it, it's just something I've never been able to let go and I just accepted that now that I will never be able to do anything other than <laughs> write incessantly and read incessantly um but I went I actually chose my university course based on the fact that they had a module on the Brontes. Um, but then when it came to sort of selecting modules, um, you had to do it online and it was quite uh, basically like f first finger game of who got put onto modules based on how quickly you signed up to them. And I didn't sign up quick. I was in there about three minutes and I just didn't click it quick enough to get onto the course. And I... Uh, I think it's the only time I've ever been like a can I speak to the manager mentality and I went into the English office and I just was like well I'm going to keep coming to the lectures and seminars until I get put onto this course um and then after a few weeks of me just turning up in rooms that I wasn't invited to they let me do the module um so it, it paid it paid off eventually yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> But I've yet to see a good adaptation of Wuthering Heights. I just don't think any of them have quite... I've watched quite a few and I just don't think any of them have quite captured the, the book, which perhaps is a magical thing about it. I've actually never read Wuthering Heights. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Oh, you must. Is there anything that's stopping you? No, just the fact that it's a classic. <laughs> There's nothing about that book in particular. So, like, when I was younger, and you, I feel like if you're into reading, you are, and you are, like, between mm. 15, 17, there's a classic, and you sort of read yes. it because it makes you cool, and I've read this cool book, and mine was Pride and Prejudice. Okay. You're either one camp or the other, aren't you? Yeah. So, I was Pride and Prejudice, and now I'm like, I have it on my shelf. I've got one of those Wordsworth collector's editions with the beautiful cover and I'm like mm. okay oh. I, I will read it so I might set myself a little challenge next year to read like I want to say one classic a month but classics are quite chunky so maybe every other month to give myself time to like work through the chunkier ones but uh, read classics is my new year's resolution because I have read none this year yeah <laughs> I don't think I have actually no it's all been it's all been contemporary stuff similarly but you have to train it's almost like I don't know sprint running and marathon running you kind of have to train for it yeah <laughs> like I you can't just pick one up randomly because it just is so dense you just you, you have to almost ease yourself into it so maybe work back through the decades and then by the time you hit Chaucer you'll be like I'm ready for yeah. it <laughs> Yeah, like just a few pages a day alongside something a bit lighter to like edge myself in mm. slowly. And maybe by de next yes. December I'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll look out for your yeah. updates. Um, so what would you say is your most anticipated read? Um, there's a book that I have seen 
proofs coming out of recently and I don't know who I need to like bribe to get one but I'm getting to that point um it's called a lady's guide to fortune hunting by Sophie Irwin um and I it's I think it's a it's slated for like a summer or spring release um but it sounds to me I mean it's the launch of this book it's got its own website so you know it's a big deal um and it's a it's a debut it's regency period but it's um i imagine that it's got a contemporary twist a bit like the bridgerton um and i storyline i believe sort of follows somebody who has like 12 weeks to find a husband in sort of regency I want to say Bath, it's probably Bath, um, and sort of follows follows her story doing that. And I just thought it sounded like a riot. It sounds so, it sounds like it will be really good, right, good fun. Um, a few years ago, I read The Mermaid and Mrs. Hancock and loved it, um, which is similarly Regency period, but it's a bit more sort of straight historical fiction with like a bit of a scandalous sort of thread in it. But this one, I think, is just sounds like it's going to be more sort of rip-roaring, entertaining regency uh and pops be quite funny so i'm i'm really looking forward to that one i will be first in line if i don't get my hands on a proof before then that does sound amazing i haven't seen that one like out and about yeah um or on bookstagram as proofs um but yeah i feel like i was also like to be in that queue <laughs> yeah you should see i mean the proofs do look pretty amazing they're they're like a hardback proofs with gold on them. I mean, oh, I mean, oh. if a book's got a hardback proof, you know it's it's the big release. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's going to be a big one, and so I've no doubt that it's going to be incredibly successful without me ever mentioning it to anyone. But um, yeah, that one does look particularly good, and I think we're I think we're ready for a good good historical and I've no doubt as well that it'll probably get made into a tv show or a film so hey looking forward to that one a lot um if I had to pick one that would be it but then if I am allowed to say another one it's basically the same every year whenever Vary McFarlane puts out a new book uh I'm just so excited about them because they are my absolute brand of humor and she writes she writes characters and scenarios and dialogue in a way that just makes me feel like I'm spending a night in a pub with really funny people so whatever her next book is I'm there for it (laughs) yeah it's on the list (laughs) how about you you're probably the person to ask about this well mine is actually yours um the Um... (laughs) pressure so I don't I don't know how much you can tell us about it if you can tell us anything other than the name. <laughs> no, yeah, I can. Um it's I'm getting the edits back again at the end of the week so I think we'll be moving on to sort of copy edits which is basically sentence level stuff which is a relief. Um <laughs> um so it's 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 slightly different from my previous two books um Lonely Peter and Sister Surprise in that I'm not I've not done first person this time which I think for many people just doesn't seem like it's a thing but for me it's it's been a big deal to write in third person um and the the story sort of follows uh, my protagonist Poppy who um 
is 29 and going through a separation from her husband that she married very young um and in her sort of bid to try and forget about the past couple of years she wants to go and photograph puffins on an island in the middle of nowhere off of the coast of devon but when her best friend who's a wedding planner um sees her on the harbour her wedding photographer has dropped out of this very high society exclusive wedding on a neighbouring island she asks Poppy if she'll help her out for a couple of days until the actual photographer arrives but when she realises um, when she gets to the island that the groom is somebody that she recognises um, that's kind of where the rest of the story takes us on this uh, on this exclusive high society uh, island in in the middle of the sea <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds great. It sounds like so much fun. Um, I can't wait. It was really good fun writing it. The last two books, I mean, they all have their sticking points, but this one was just like joy, completely joyful to write and so much fun. And because I've I've included a part of the cast of characters are quite um, privileged and posh, and I had so much fun just making their lives really difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched a lot of uh, Made in Chelsea and Succession in the past year and I think it shows <laughs> um, one of my questions for you was like, is it hard to write like funny books and funny characters it it's I don't I'm, for no I don't think it is but I think if I was trying to change what kind of funny I was writing, it would be difficult. Um, I I write with the, the I suppose the same voice that I speak in, and it's why my partner says he finds it really hard to read my books because he's like I can't detach the voice from your voice. Um, so it's the things I find funny. It's the it's the way that I would perhaps like phrase something embarrassing that happened to me earlier in the day to my friends later on when I saw them. So in that way, I suppose it's not a huge, a huge leap to try and do. But what is quite difficult is figuring out whether your reader is going to be share share your sense of humour, and you can't, that's not something that you can manipulate, and that can't be the same for everyone, um, because no one finds the same stuff funny. I'm not Michael McIntyre, like I don't have an audience that is that universal, <laughs> and I can't try and do that. That's not me. So. Um, Yes and and no, I suppose. Sometimes you have to think of, you spend so many hours with a story that you can sometimes lose a sense of reality. So when you look back over what you've written, you sometimes have to think, I think this situation is funny, but is it too far from reality that someone will be pulled out of the fiction um, and start questioning it too much? Um, So that's kind of something that is quite difficult that you have to that you have to think about but not when you're first doing a draft it's something that you have to kind of come back to afterwards and be like okay let's do some let's do a balancing act here to make sure that everyone's getting the right things out of this yeah I mean and like we said earlier there's no way that every single person can find the same thing funny so I suppose if you find it funny there's going to be somebody else there's going to be like another group of people who share your humour. Yeah. And if you like- yeah, absolutely. And um, I mean, I've sort of 
I, I take, I suppose, my a lot of inspiration from one book. So I think I, I mentioned Vary McFarlane already, but Lindsay Kelk, I, find, I think she's really funny. Um, Marion Keyes is funny. So it's taking inspiration, I think, from others as well, but also the stuff that I watched growing up, like, you know, Gavin and Stacey um, and the weirder stuff like Mighty Boosh, which was all the rage when <laughs> I was a teenager, which is really strange. That doesn't translate into fiction. I can tell you that for <laughs> Um <laughs> um so it's suppose it's 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 trying to I like things that are to do with sort of family and throwing people into situations that they feel uncomfortable in um and and making a connection with someone making sure that it's relating to to the people who I want to read it yeah and I mean I I found them hilarious so we definitely share that sense of humor and when you just like mentioned things like Gavin and Stacey I was like okay yeah that's what it is because that's like <laughs> the basis of my humor is Gavin and Stacey and then over lockdown I found the US office and I was just like this this is now my personality like <laughs> not not the offensive parts but <laughs> like the situational comedy I was like okay this this is it <laughs> yeah and I think it's a it's stuff that's not too far removed from reality, um, which is what I find really, really hilarious. But yeah, you're right. I mean, I do think I've swapped parts of my personality for just gifts from Gavin and Stacey. Yeah. Just, what's the point in replying to texts when you could just send a gif of uh, Pamela instead? Yeah, I have a friend and like we'll check in every now and then, but the 1st of November, every year for like the past however many years, it's that. You you know what I'm going to say. It's that picture of Pam saying... I do. You know, I send all my Christmas cards on the 1st of November. I'm like, yep, there you go. Happy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it begins now. <laughs> um, So we obviously can't do the podcast without briefly talking about the Sister Surprise and the Lonely Fajita. Um, that would be very strange. <laughs> I thought I was like we haven't mentioned them and when I come back to listen to this I'd be like oh we did not touch <laughs> on the books that are out and so the sister surprise that like I loved that that was the first one of your books that I read I had the lonely fajita on my shelf ready to pick up but started with the sister surprise and it was just incredible I loved it Oh, thank you so much for saying that. That's so that's so nice to hear. And I mean, yeah, I don't think like me like lots of people. I haven't really been out much in the past couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's um, I'm going to write that exactly what you said down in a second. So I, I can stick it in my book. <laughs> um, but it was just the whole concept. I was like, yeah, of course, like the everything from the not the lies but the keeping the secrets to yourself and I was like this is going to blow up and it's going to be brilliant <laughs> <laughs> that was um yeah that that book was well basically it got me through lockdown I managed to get up to Scotland to go on a research trip a week before um the country went into lockdown as did pretty much everywhere in the world um and we stayed on some farms and I grew up sort of spending summers on farms. So there's 
that I wanted to sort of explore that area take and take like a protagonist who had not really had any experience of the countryside and, and put them in that situation and just to sort of see them squirm a little bit but also the kind of potential for characters there was just brilliant and one of the methods that I sort of used to try and meet more people when I was up in Scotland is to basically book myself into the Airbnbs that had the weirdest descriptions um and like the more out there the more I was like yeah I'm gonna go and spend a couple of days there and we did meet I mean one one in particular I won't name was like on not the not the right side of weird just weird with a capital w but the others were just brilliant um there was james who went went to a kaylee and he just wouldn't stop dancing he had a double knee replacement and he got all of the younger people to get up and dance um all of the animals on the on the farm and the sheep and the, i think there's a fact in the or a men, the key and mentions in the sister's prize about um the sheep if they lie down in a puddle and they're f- wool soaks up the water it's so heavy they can't stand up again um that's something that the that one of the farmers told me up in the highlands um and just the sort of the way that that young people are sort of moving back into the area um and the the and the int and and how like it's still quite how people struggle with internet and connections and that I didn't realize was going to be such a vital plot point for me <laughs> and how intermittent the uh, the internet was and we're so used to being able to communicate and find information out immediately but when that's sort of taken away from you it opens up a lot of potential for plot um, and it's true where we were staying depending on which way the wind blew was how strong your wi-fi signal was um so that became a really a really useful point for me um to to get across and reveal certain bits of information at the right time yeah like that whole like not having wi-fi like we discussed earlier has become my life if it's windy i'm like i'm (laughs) gonna have to go and sit on top of the wi-fi box before the wind can intercept it like how is that a thing I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those things where I was just like, could I Google this and find out a bit more about it? Or is it better that I don't know? And that's definitely better that I don't know. I did end up learning a lot about um, uh, genes and how sort of uh, chromosomes and um, the the matriarchal line of genes is passed down. Because I was like, I know, I know that there is going to be someone who reads this who is like a geneticist. And if I get anything wrong with the DNA reveal of uh, who Ava's father is, um, someone's going to put, pick me up on it. Um, and I did a lot of research into that. And then I did notice that someone had left me a review who it started off with as a PhD student uh, of uh, studying genomes. And I was like, oh no, here we go. And then it was, and then it was like, it was accurate. And I was like, yes. It paid off. <laughs> It paid off. I, was, I didn't think that would be the thing people would pick up on, but I just there's always one. So uh, that was a that was a comfort. But that was a really good. That was a really really good good fun to write to write that book. It was tricky because the reveals were all so particular. Um, had to come out at certain points. Um, but I just really enjoyed that cast of characters. Um, and Jackie, who's so surly and has the sheepdog and uh kian who's the vegetarian farmer they were just such fun to write so when you're writing books do you write 
Like, do you have those plot points set out from the beginning and you're trying to hit them or do you just sort of have to go back and like move them a scene or two? A uh, combination of both. I am a major plotter, um, but sometimes I have noticed this now that I have sort of done three that I have a bit of a pattern with this that I'll I'll plot for maybe two months and have quite a complicated uh, and detailed spreadsheet that details characters, locations, what the character development is for each each person, um, and what subplots are cropping up in each chapter but about two-thirds in I'll just get itchy fingers and want to start writing and then in a surprise to everyone apart from apart from me um when I get to the two-thirds point of writing the book things I'm like hmm no I haven't thought about this next chunk in so much detail and it's because I haven't planned it because I just got a bit overexcited um so I have to usually stop at the two-thirds point go back and see what might need to be tweaked and changed in order to make the last third work. Um, so to kind of combat this with The Wedding Crasher, I, I did it in reverse and I wrote the first quarter first and then I wrote the last quarter. And then I wrote, I just basically was writing whichever chapter was of interest that day. Um, and I think it was a bit more straightforward. <laughs> I cried less is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, that's all we can ask for. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um but yeah, that's um that's that was what took me took me through lockdown and then and then the Lonely Fajita was obviously my my first one, my my debut and that was pre pre lockdown. That was me being like, Right, I'm gonna take this writing thing seriously and I'm gonna I'm gonna write this story and I, I love intergenerational stories. Um there's a section of there's a hashtag on Bookstagram which was like pensioners between the pages that's a that's a great one if you're like if you quite like an intergenerational uh um characters so yeah I, I wrote Annie as maybe a, a bit of a love letter to, to Sheffield where I lived for a couple of years and I just love the I just love the Yorkshire sort of attitude of unpretentious down to earth um straightforward but also a little bit stubborn and I kind of pushed all of those uh qualities into into my older character Annie in the Lonely Peter so um I'm 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 really I'm really proud of that first book and I, I'm it doesn't seem like long ago I I wrote it but at the same time it feels like a lifetime um I'm still a bit too nervous to pick it up and flick through again because there's always that worry that you'll spot something that you wish you could have changed but I think the Lonely Fajita is is the one that I still hear about most from readers so I think it does strike home with a lot of people that sense of sort of being a bit lost or um I suppose destinationless in your sort of mid twenties and needing someone older to perhaps like pull you, pull your shoes. What's the phrase? Pull your socks up and point yeah. you in the right direction. <laughs> yeah. I think the title as well, as soon as anyone sees the book called The Lonely Fajita, you go, I need to read that. Like that's a book that you see the cover and go, that'll be a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> that's good because that title was chosen as a um, means to an end and it ended up sticking all the way through and every time it got came to the decision of what the title should be I was just assumed that someone would change it and perhaps if I knew that it was going to end up as the final title 
I would have thought about it a bit more. <laughs> but it's got <laughs> people really like the title, so I'm pleased about that. But I only called it that because I needed to call it something to submit it into the Comedy Women in Print Prize. And they wouldn't let you just write untitled. Um, so I just thought, well, at least it's a bit silly. Maybe it'll make someone stop for two or three seconds longer to be like, what? What is that called? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's a method that actually worked in the end. Um, and no one could think of a title that was different. We did have conversations about carrying the theme over to the subsequent books. Um, but the only option that we came up with for the sister surprise was the happy haggis. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> We thought, no, that's just, <laughs> I just don't think that's appropriate. Um, and when we were in Scotland, we did drive past a takeaway called the Happy Haggis. And I thought, no, that just confirms it. Yeah. It was never meant to be. It was a one, it was a one, it was a one book, uh, one book trend. Yeah. Lonely Fajita definitely has more of a ring to it than the Happy Haggis. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny for all the wrong reasons, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that brings us towards the end. So I have two final quickfire questions for you. And the first one is, what would be your desert island book and breakfast? Um, desert island book, I Capture the Castle. I only read it recently in the past year and I just completely fell in love with it. It's so... It's just escapist fiction. Who doesn't want to have a mad family who lives in a ramshackle castle um loved that book and i love the adaptation because it has ramona gray in it who is just the queen of period uh period dramas um and my breakfast would be just quite simply a massive stack of hash browns yeah that's it maybe if i'm allowed i'll have some reggae reggae sauce with it yeah but that i maybe eight eight hash browns not expensive ones either, just like one pound bag from Iceland. Yeah. That's what I would choose. I never have hash browns. And I don't know why, because you can't get good ones in a bag for one pound and just stick them in the freezer. Yeah. I'm going to have to. I've tried do making that. them before and it's not worth it. Yeah. One of my friends makes them and I'm like, that is a waste of your time. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> don't bother. No. Just get the bag. <laughs> um, and who would be your three bookish dinner guests? Um, okay, so I've gone for Taylor Jenkins Reid because I just think she'd be really, really interesting. I know she's a big researcher. I think she'd have a, and she's got good sense of humour from what I have seen. Um, and I'd also just like to quiz her. So she's on my list. I then wanted to choose Emily Bronte because of my love of Wuthering Heights. However, I don't think she would be a very good dinner guest. I think she would be surly, rude, and very clearly not want to be there. So I thought I'll save her the uh, I'll save her the effort, and I will give that role to Mary Shelley, who I think would be more of a laugh. Um, if you just look into the kind of life that she led, she's she was you know elbows with uh, Lord Byron, who I think was a massive hoot. He had a pet bear. So I think Mary Shelley would be a better dinner guest. Um, and then my third is um, Vary McFarlane, because I think similarly, based purely on the dialogue of her characters when they are specifically in the pub, 
I think she'd be a good laugh as well. So basically, I'm choosing people who I think would be a good laugh or interesting, um, which is why Emily Bronte did not make the cut. Sorry, Emily. <laughs> well, that's what you want in a dinner guest, really, isn't it? Like if someone sat there with a face like thunder, you just like go, don't don't do me any favors here, Emily Bronte. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's enough. <laughs> go for a long walk yeah. instead. <laughs> We'll be here when you get back, if you want us. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being a guest. Um, this has been a lovely bookish chat, and I am going to add Wuthering Heights to the top of my classics list. I'm going to look out for the post, so consider yourself being held accountable. Yeah, I mean, it's on the list. When I get to the top of that classics list, it's a different <laughs> story, but it's definitely the top of it. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on it's been so lovely to talk to you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the breakfast book club if you've enjoyed the episode please leave a review as it helps other people to find the podcast hopefully i will see you back here first thing monday morning for the next episode bye